The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. We start with bouncing back. Stocks looking to add to yesterday's gains as Wall Street claws back from the CPI-fueled sell-off. But with stocks climbing back to near records, the great froth debate moves back into the spotlight Bank of America, Deutsche Bank and Goldman Sachs and others, they're all sounding the alarm and perhaps getting a leg up ahead of that trade. Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway trimming the stake in Apple by 10 million shares. Plus this morning, Cisco, it disappoints with an outlook that fell far short of estimates. And then later in the show, we're going to go international. Japan loses its spot as the world's third largest economy. It's Thursday, February the 15th, 2024. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you ready to start your day. As always, we kick off the hour with a check of U.S. stock futures. After a broad-based rally for stocks yesterday, that saw the Nasdaq bounce back by more than 1%. Taking a look at futures right now, uh, we are seeing each one of the major indices fractionally lower at this hour. Um, The S&P down just about a tenth of a percent. Similar story across the board. NASDAQ features down just a bit more than that. We're also keeping a close eye on small caps. With the Russell 2000 coming off its best day since mid-December, you can see it finished up almost 2.5%, but still down for the year, uh, fractionally higher week to date. And leading the charge for the Dow ahead of the open, we're talking about Chevron, Intel, M3M. You can see these stocks moving higher right now. Chevron up almost 1%. Down here at the bottom, Amgen also up a half a percent. Similar story for Intel. And we got to check the bond market with the 10, the 20, and the 30-year Treasury yields, all of them hitting their highest level in more than two months. Looking at the benchmark right now at 4.22. And taking a look at the energy market, specifically oil, after the latest market report from the IEA this morning. It says global oil demand growth is losing some momentum, in part due to a sharp slowdown in Chinese consumption. Taking a look at the oil market, you can see in the red as well, WTI, the U.S. benchmark, down just over a half a percent. Similar story for Brent crude, down just under a half a percent. All right, we want to look at the international markets now. Let's start with Japan. Japan's Nikkei closing above 38,000 for the first time since 1990. And that's despite a fourth quarter GDP contraction. China also closing sharply higher. But that's largely on a catch up trade after the long holiday break. We're also watching Europe this morning following fresh data showing the UK slipped into a technical recession into the fourth quarter. Taking a look at these indices here, uh, we're seeing the DAX right now up just over a half a percent. The CAC uh, tied for best performance this morning right down here with the uh, Italian MIB up almost one percent. The FTSE, the laggard in this case, up only fractionally at this hour. Okay, that's your uh, excuse me. That's your overall setup. U.S. and the international markets as well. Let's turn back to something we've been talking a whole lot about: mega cap tech. It's another day. It's another milestone. Getting bulldozed by Nvidia, the chipmaker passing Alphabet to become the third largest U.S. company by market cap. And it's just a day after Nvidia passed Amazon for fourth place as it rides the wave for demand of artificial intelligence. It's been really an incredible run by Nvidia. It was the seventh largest company by market cap just a year ago. 
12th two years ago, and it was outside the 20, outside that top 20 just four years back. It may also be the tide that lifts all boats. Taiwan Semi, a major supplier to NVIDIA, soaring in 8% to a new high today, its biggest percentage gain in more than two years. Tech, it's obviously booming, but some investors, they're now looking to limit their exposure to the mega caps, and that includes Mark Avalon, president of Potomac Wealth Advisors. He's one of those tech-conscious investors. Mark, good morning. It's great to see you. Good morning, Frank. All right, so, so Mark, give us the argument why you're not into mega cap tech right now. I'm looking at the technology sector. Earnings are 20% higher year over year. I'm looking at the MAG7, almost tripling the broader market. Why is right now the time that you're trying to get away from this trade? Well, Frank, first of all, it's almost very hard for an asset allocator like ourselves to get away from it. You have mega cap tech in the triple Qs. You have it in the S&P 500. You have it in if you own Berkshire Hathaway. And, and if you're in the XLK, the, the most popular tech ETF, you're over 42% Apple and Microsoft. So the challenge for us is how do we continue to invest in a sector that we love, a sector that we've been talking about for years. We've never lost faith in tech. The economy is going in that direction in a massive way. How do we continue to be there without an overweight? Mark, can, we've I, turned can I jump to, in for a second? But what is the concern? You're mentioning the XLK, a very popular ETF for tech. It's outperforming the market. The triple Qs are outperforming the market. The MAG7, as I mentioned, tripling. So you got to give me the concern here, because if you're investing in that ETF, and I understand it has a big concentration of two companies, it's still outperforming. Right. And and we love that because we're invested there. We just don't want to be over concentrated on one side of the boat. I'm old enough to remember the massive drops in 2000 and 2008 when certain sectors exceeded the, the market declines by multiple. OK, that's prudent portfolio allocation doesn't take client money and put it in a handful of stocks and put it at risk. If that was the case, the Warren Buffett's of the world would only own mega cap tech. It's a trade that's working now and you can benefit from it now, but the decline, potential declines and overvaluations can wreak havoc to individual savers and near retirees. That's the exercise. It's more about prudence than chasing performance. Understood. Diversification is always a good idea. And as you mentioned, valuations are a bit stretched. We're going to talk about that later in the show. You gave us some tech and AI plays that are outside the mega cap tech names. Some of them, in my mind at least, are a little bit surprising. You're flagging uh, two hospitality names in your group, Marriott and Hilton. So why are they benefiting so much from some of these AI efficiencies and this tech boom that we're seeing? Right. Well, our focus is tech enabled companies, and that's just two of them. But we'll use travel as an example. You can book your hotel. You can arrive. You can spend a couple of days and you can check out without interacting with any person. The cost efficiencies that technology is getting not only from the, the reservation experience, but keyless entry. COVID has changed behaviors in the hotel. No one is expecting daily room service, cleaning, housekeeping. So you can reduce costs. And these companies, you've seen a run-up in Hilton. You've seen a a multi-year run-up in Marriott. They're also very, very well run. Incredible culture, service culture, brand loyalty from their consumers. So their position to benefit from a traveling consumer, they're also lowering their expenses from technology and leveraging that. That's the type of company that will succeed going forward. And you're also advocating for the ETF, the JTEK. You're saying that it has 
uh, more diversification when it comes to holdings in the tech space, not so much concentration. Mark Avalone, great to see you. Thank you for your time. Okay. All right, time now for a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories and some big moves by big firms in the final stretch of 2023. Our Silvana Hanau is here with that story. Silvana, good morning. Hey, Frank, good morning. That is right. So yesterday marked the deadline for the world's biggest stock funds to disclose their latest portfolio moves. Starting off with Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway, selling some 10 million shares of Apple in the final quarter of 2023. That's 1% of its overall holdings in the company. Berkshire also trimming its stake in Paramount Global by nearly a third to just about 63 million shares. The company also asked regulators to keep a new stock purchase a secret for the second straight quarter. Meanwhile, George Soros's investment fund making new bets on leisure and travel, taking fresh stakes in JetBlue, Spirit Airlines and Sun Country Airlines. Soros Fund Management also increased its bets on DoorDash as it gets set to report results today. Now turning to Stanley Druckenmiller, his Duquesne family office dumping shares of Alphabet, Amazon and Broadcom in the final three months of 2023, while adding shares of Barrick Gold and Newmont Mining. And two big bets on a China rebound courtesy of Appaloosa's David Tepper and Michael Burry, both adding to stakes in Alibaba. Tepper increasing its firm's position by 20 percent and Burry making it a making it making it Scion Asset Management's top holding with a 50 percent position boost. Baba rival JD.com is Scion's second biggest holding, Frank. All right. A lot of big, big moves. Yeah, a lot of big moves there. Silvana, we will see you later on the show. All right, we're going to turn our attention now to a national story outside of the world of business and the latest developments in the deadly shooting during the end of the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl victory parade. Investors continue to look for a motive in the shooting that left one person dead and more than 20 others hurt, and that included several children. Police say three people have been detained, but no suspects have been identified. In a statement, the chief said all players, coaches, staff, and family members were safe and the team was saddened by this senseless act of violence. President Biden says the shooting should motivate voters to call on Congress to take action around guns. All right, we've got a lot more to come here on Worldwide Exchange, including the one word that investors have to know today. But first, why Cisco is about to fall even further behind the broader tech sector after its latest earnings report. Plus, much more, much more in Berkshire's slightly smaller Apple stake and the debate around froth fears in some of Wall Street's most valuable stocks and later. It may be the first state, but it's the last choice for Elon Musk as he makes good on his promise to relocate his companies away from the income tax safe haven. We have a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. Stay with us. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts 
Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. It's time now for your big money movers. We're going to start with App Love, and shares are surging on strong Q4 results and guidance. The app monetization company benefiting from strength around the holidays, growth in the mobile ad market, and bidding enhancements. It also plans to boost its stock buyback program by more than $1 billion. You can see shares are up just over 19%. TripAdvisor, also higher. The travel and leisure company handily beating earnings and revenue estimates, seeing big revenue growth for its Viator and Fork brands. Trip also noting its experiences segment now delivers more than 40% of its revenue. The stock is flat over the past year. Underperforming names that play in some of the same spaces like Booking Holdings, Expedia, and Yelp. But this morning, shares are up more than 5%. And shares of Fastly are plunging on signs of weakening sales growth. The cloud company warning of a sequential decline in revenue after missing expectations during Q4. Other headwinds include a slight decrease in its 12-month retention rate and its high net loss figures. But to put today's pullback in context, Fastly has been really strong over the past year, up 75%. It's already gained 17% so far just in February. Shares are down, however, in the pre-market, uh, almost 24%. We're also watching Cisco this morning. Those shares are also lower in the pre-market. The company beat on earnings and revenue, but issued soft guidance with third quarter revenue outlook coming in almost a billion dollars short of analyst estimates. Cisco also reducing headcount by 5%, roughly 4,000 jobs, making it the latest tech company to cut jobs. CEO Chuck Robbins telling our Jim Cramer, caution is the name of the game on Mad Money last night. We saw more caution with our customers this quarter than we saw in the prior quarter, which led to our our teams actually expressing more caution in their forecast. Therefore, we have more caution in our guidance. All right, joining me now to discuss is Matthew Nicknam, Director of Equity Research at Deutsche Bank. Matt, good morning. Great to have you here. Hey, Frank, thanks for having me. All right, so following that report, you can see shares are down. Uh, your ratings a hold, your price target is 54 bucks. It implies an upside of about 13%. That seems pretty optimistic after what we heard in this print. What are you seeing that has upside or what upside are you seeing that investors appear to not be seeing, at least not this morning? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've got a hold rating, so we've been a little bit more tepid, I would say, overall. As you think about potential sources of upside for the company, they've talked a little bit about AI. Uh, they've referenced a $1 billion order target for fiscal 25. Obviously, last night, the incremental data point there was that pipeline around AI is 3x that $1 billion target. So between that and between some of the more discounted valuation, that could be a source of upside. But I think we were fairly clear in our report last night as well uh, Last night's print is not going to be viewed too positively. This is the second guidance cut in as many quarters. And obviously, momentum is not at Cisco's side as it relates to uh, product orders in the interim. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it has a lot of momentum. I I want to hit on one other point. Uh, They had a miss when it came to their core business of networking revenue. That seems really concerning, especially because CEO Chuck Robbins has been out and about and saying that Cisco is a critical part of the AI trade. Um, A miss here. What does that signal to you? Yeah, I think some of the some of its macro, some of it is customers who had just bought so much and had so much delivered to them. Bear in mind, we just went through a major supply chain crisis over the last several years. That's eased. Cisco's shipped tons of product to bigger enterprise and web scale customers. So they've got a lot of stuff sitting at their doorstep waiting to be activated. So collectively, there there are some pressure points that should ease as you get into next year. You've got smaller pockets like telco and cable that have been weaker, but ultimately in the interim, 
there isn't much buying happening because of all the buying that happened the last two years. All right. So straight me out when it comes to AI and Cisco. Two things. One of them you already mentioned. Um, Cisco saying their AI revenues are set to triple from their original forecast by 2025. And then also there was a story that we broke here on Worldwide Exchange. Cisco and NVIDIA teaming up uh, when it comes to AI infrastructure. Are those actually big deals for this company? Is that something that investors maybe are undervaluing? Yeah, I would say right now it's still very, very early days. You got to bear in mind, Cisco's a $55 billion business. And they've, by the way, framed the target for AI at about a billion in orders. They were just talking about pipeline that's 3x that. But in terms of what they'll more likely recognize, we're talking, you know, a pretty marginal number. We're talking about, you know, right. sub 2% of their total revenue. So is it a big deal today? No. Will it be a big deal next year? Unlikely. Uh, the NVIDIA partnership will help. It'll actually give NVIDIA maybe a little bit more distribution into enterprise and a broader customer set that Cisco obviously has. Okay. But it's early days, and it, you know I think we'll see what happens in, in next year. All right, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Matthew Nicknam, price target of $54 for Cisco. Great to see you. Thank you for being here. Thank you. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, it was one of the biggest investment frauds in U.S. history. And the victims, they are still suffering to this day. Our Scott Cohen is live in Houston this morning with much more on this story. Scott, good morning. Good morning, Frank. It all unfolded behind these doors. Today, the man behind it, Alan Stanford, is behind bars, but he is still managing to make life difficult and cause pain for his thousands of victims. We'll catch up with this massive fraud and what's going on now, coming up on Worldwide Exchange. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange, a market flash for you now on Stellantis. Shares are popping. You can see up over 3.5%. After the automaker announced it will launch a $3.2 billion stock buyback after posting record sales and after-tax profit for last year. However, Stellantis's CEO also warning of a turbulent year ahead. Uh, Stellantis shares up more than 3.5% right now. Okay, this week marks 15 years since one of the biggest investment frauds in U.S. history and no We're not talking about Bernie Madoff. We're talking about the $7 billion Ponzi scheme run by Texas billionaire Alan Stanford. Even after all this time, his more than 18,000 customers, they're still waiting to be made whole. Scott Cohen joins us now with much more on this story. Scott, good morning. Frank, good morning. Think back to this week in 2009. Remember, the global financial crisis was in full swing. The Madoff fraud had just broken. And then this federal agents raiding the offices of Stanford Financial Group in Houston, uh, and charging that the whole thing was a giant $7 billion Ponzi scheme run by multi-billionaire Alan Stanford. Stanford sold certificates of deposit from his offshore bank in Antigua, touted them as safe investments, and sold largely to retirees like Ed and Beverly, Beverly Antignolo. They put half their retirement savings into Stanford CDs and lost it all. The initial reaction was panic, I think I would say, on both of our parts. I feel like we had been just flat cheated and lied to. I was really disappointed in the people. I just, I, I couldn't believe somebody would do that. 
And 15 years later, it is still going on. From a federal penitentiary in Florida, where he's serving 110 years for fraud, Alan Stanford is single-handedly blocking the largest potential source of funds for the victims. Acting as his own lawyer, he keeps appealing a $1.3 billion settlement with three of the banks accused of helping him. He has nothing else to do right now. His cause celebrity is trying to make his case for the courts ignoring the fact that what he's doing is denying victims recoveries. That's court-appointed receiver Ralph Janvey. He has spent the last 15 years trying to unwind this fraud. Stanford has until today to file what is likely to be his last shot in this, an appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. Even if it doesn't go anywhere, it's going to delay that payout for months. So what does it all mean to investors? To this point, they've recovered about 25 cents on the dollar. If this settlement goes through, it brings the number to about 46 cents. Compare that to the Madoff victims who have gotten 75 cents on the dollar. Frank? Wow. Just really a sad story. Seeing those people that have their retirement savings taken away, Scott, just really terrible. Um, Your last point there, that really caught my ear. Um, Why is there such a disparity when it comes to recovery for the Madoff victims and the Stanford victims? I mean, why such a difference? Well, part of it is that Stanford's uh, bank was in Antigua, so the investor didn't have some of the protections that U.S. investors have, like SIPC insurance. Part of that means that the investors are paying for all of the expenses of recovering the money, which is half a billion dollars and counting. That comes out of that. And the other issue, though, is that... uh, that the investors are basically paying for the suit against the banks. The largest of the banks is Toronto Dominion. Uh, In in the Madoff case, the Justice Department, remember, went after J.P. Morgan Chase, got a $2.6 billion settlement. This settlement is being paid for by the investors. No such aggressive action from the DOJ in the Madoff, in the Stanford case. All right. Great reporting as always. Scott Cohen in Houston. Scott, great to see you. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, Meta makes some changes at the board level. Much more Worldwide Exchange coming up after this. It is right around 5.30 a.m. in the New York City area, and there's a lot more ahead here on Worldwide Exchange. Here is what's still on deck. Markets are shaking off that post-CPI pullback with the S&P 500 recapturing that 5,000 mark. Futures suggesting that rebound will continue. NVIDIA catapulting past another member of the MAG7 on the list of the most valuable companies. Tech's continued dominance, raising some fresh questions around valuations. We will debate if tech is frothy or if it's just foamy. And Elon Musk officially making good on his threat to the state of Delaware and his future there. It is Thursday, February the 15th, 2024. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. And welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you ready to start this day. We're going to pick up the half an hour with a check on U.S. stock futures on the back of yesterday's rally. Take a look. Futures solidly in the green. Looks like the Dow would open up about 70 points higher at this hour. All right. We're also checking the stocks leading the action ahead of the open for the Dow. We're talking names like Chevron, Intel, and 3M. You can see Chevron, one of the leaders here, up almost 1%. Um, across the board, Green, Walgreens, Boots Alliance, also up just about 1%. And we're also watching the Russell 2000. It's coming off its best day since mid-December, finishing up almost 2.5%, up fractionally for the week. We'll continue to watch the small caps and talk about them throughout the show. We're also checking the bond market with the 10, the 20, and the 30-year Treasury yields hitting their highest level in more than two months, the benchmark, the 10-year right now at 4.22% when it comes to yield there. And we're also watching the oil market following the IEA's latest market report that came out this morning. 
It says that global oil demand growth is losing some momentum in part due to a sharp slowdown in Chinese consumption. Taking a look at WTI right now, down just over a half a percent. Similar story for Brent crude. Okay, let's now see how Europe is shaping up as this trading day gets underway. Our Jamana Brissetti is in our London newsroom with much more on the early action. Jamana, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Well, for the most part, we are seeing a risk-on day for European equities, with the exception of the Spanish index, which is slightly underwater. A lot of focus this morning on the UK index. We did have GDP numbers come in. Uh, disappointing relative to expectations showing that the UK actually has fallen into a technical recession, contracting minus 0.3% for the last three months of the year. So what that has meant is further rate cuts are now being priced into the curve. So interest rate sensitive sectors are outperforming in the FTSE 100 today. The homeowners that we spoke about yesterday, home builders rather. On the flip side, some of the oil and gas companies are underperforming. You talk about the move in the spot oil price and that's impacting some of those energy companies. The DAX is up two, two-thirds of a percent today. We are seeing a strong performance in Commerce Bank. And then finally, Kekaron is also up eight-tenths of a percent. Some strong performance in autos, the likes of Stellantis and Renault doing quite well as well. But I want to turn your attention to Airbus. Uh, they have also posted their results today, reporting a 65.4 billion euros in full-year revenue boosted by strong order intakes. Now, the playmaker said it delivered 735 commercial aircraft last year, and it expects to make 800 deliveries this year, the CEO, Guillaume Fauré, told CNBC that the plane maker is focused on standards. Our job is to deliver planes that are of high degree of quality and safe. That's, that's the very basis of what we do. And that's been the case uh, uh, in the past and will continue to be the case in the future. So again, we're trying to find that right balance uh, between demand and supply to deliver planes in, in accordance with our expectations and the one of our customers. That's our job. Notice the emphasis on standards there. And of course, Airbus have been benefiting from some of the woes facing Boeing, in addition to an increase in some of the order takes for 2024 as well. The reaction has not been that pretty, though. Airbus is down 1.9%. But over the course of the last couple of months, of course, it has been a more positive story. Frank. Germana, thank you so much. Our Germana Brissetti live in our London newsroom. Really appreciate you. All right, turn our attention back to stocks stateside. And one of our top stories this morning, Warren Buffett, he took an exacto knife to Berkshire Hathaway's largest portfolio position in the final three months of 2023. According to the latest 13F filing, Berkshire, it's just trimming its stake in Apple by 10 million shares. But to put that in context, that's 1% of its overall holdings in the iPhone maker. That move comes as fears of frothiness in the most valuable stocks in the market is growing. The main focus, the Magnificent Seven. Bank of America and others saying the long Mag 7 trade is starting to look extremely crowded. Joining me now is Clio Capital Managing Director Sarah Kunst, someone whose voice stands out in the middle of a crowd. Sarah, good morning. Great to have you here. Good morning. All right. So when we're looking at the uh, can't get it out. Magnificent Seven. Let's start there. You say there's one stock that is actually frothy and the others are just kind of foamy. Tell us which one's frothy, which ones are foamy and what's really the difference? I like NVIDIA. I think that that price that it's at right now is very, very, very hard to maintain. Uh, you see a P.E. ratio of 97. That is it dwarfs all of its trillion dollar peers. And, and then when you look at names like Taiwan Semiconductor, which similar space, a company that's been around for a long time that worked closely with NVIDIA. And, you know, they they are just doing so much better on the fundamentals. Um, and even though they've had a great year and a great you know week this week so far, they're far behind in terms of 
that price. And so I like NVIDIA. I don't think there's a problem with the company. I have been chicken little about this space, as <laughs> any AI maximalist will tell you, for a year now. But I am concerned because what goes up does eventually have to come okay. down. So that's frothy. You're saying that 97 times forward earnings, P.E. I mean, that's frothy. So foamy. Give us a sense. Why is foamy OK and frothy is concerning? I think FOMI reflects the, the broader market. The reality is right now that things are up. We had so much cash sitting on the sidelines last year, waiting for this sort of big crashing downturn that knock on all of the wood we have hopefully avoided. And so, you know, we're at a point where people want to put that cash back in. The consumer has shown a resilience beyond anything that any of us expected. Um, and so we're seeing that that people are getting back in the market. People are buying again. People are feeling good again. I mean, Bitcoin breached 50,000. And so so when that kind of stuff happens, you will see the entire market go up a bit. And so a name going up, a solid name going up while everything else is, isn't necessarily bad. I think that people right now are really, really looking for innovation. We see names, everything from the Novo Nordis of the world okay. to the Ubers. We see them go up right now because that's what people want to invest in. All right. So, Sarah, right now we're showing the audience the massive uh, influence of mega cap tech on the market over the last year. Um, you know, the equal weight, we're looking at that only up in the mid single digits. What does that say to you about the strength of the market and its path going forward? Right now, we're actually showing it to him right now. Uh, S&P 500 equal weight up only just about three and a half percent over the last year. What does that say to you about this market and the lack of, of breath in it and just the direction it's going to take for the rest of this year? Yeah, I, I like a wider rally. I like it when everything's doing well and not just one sector, particularly a sector that tends to rely on, on the future and growth and hope versus reality. But the, I, the reality is that, that there's just a lot of names in that S&P 500 that maybe aren't as relevant as more a, anymore, that are legacy names that have been public for a long time or staying public. And if you're a railroad, a small railroad you know, that's public, maybe all of a sudden now this isn't going to be the most relevant time for you. So okay. I don't think it's necessarily bad to see that narrowness, but I would like it to broaden out. All right. We got to get out of here. But one last question. Berkshire Hathaway trimming his position in Apple. Again, they're trimming. They still have a large position. Big deal, little deal in your mind. I think that anything that happens with Apple feels big, but often it's just sort of business as usual. It is a fantastic company right. that tends to do very well. And sometimes you lock in your gains. All right, Sarah Coons, we got to leave it there. Great to see you as always. Thank you again. All right, time now for a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. We're going to toss it over to our Silvana Hanau with those. Silvana. Hey, Frank, good morning. Meta is adding Broadcom CEO Hock Tan to the board. Broadcom is one of Meta's key partners for its data centers and efforts to design its own chips. In a regulatory filing related to Tan's appointment, Meta says it spent about $500 million on components and design services from Broadcom last year. Meta also naming John Arnold to the board. Arnold is a former gas trader at Enron who now runs a philanthropic investment fund. Meanwhile, Twilio has started a review of its segment business unit following months of scrutiny by activist investors. Twilio bought the customer data platform for more than $3 billion in 2020. But activists have pushed management to break up the business or sell the whole company. Twilio founder Jeff Lawson was ousted as chairman and CEO in January. 
And SpaceX has filed to move its incorporation from Delaware to Texas. The move comes after a Delaware judge voided Elon Musk's $56 billion pay package from Tesla last month. Last week, Musk moved the corporate home of Neuralink from Delaware to Nevada. He has said he plans to ask Tesla shareholders to vote on moving the company's incorporation to Texas. Musk also disclosing in an SEC filing he holds a stake of 20.5 percent in Tesla as of December 31st. His ownership had dropped to around 13 percent early last year, Frank. All right, Silvana, thank you very much. Yeah. And you know what? It's not just tech that's betting big on artificial intelligence. Logistics company ArcBest launching a new autonomous tool aimed at unlocking what it calls supply chain efficiencies. The Vox Smart Autonomy product combines robot forklifts and reach trucks for use in warehouses, distribution centers, and manufacturing facilities. ArcBest says what you're seeing here is the only technology of its kind and ensures more safety and less monotony for workers. Joining me now to discuss, and that and much more, Judy McReynolds, ArcBest CEO, Chairman, and President. Judy, good morning. It's great to see you. Good morning. It's All great right, so to see you. Looking at your shares, uh, you had earnings last week. You had an EPS beat. In addition to this news, um, shares are up double digits. Give us a sense. What could all this mean for your business going forward? Well, we um, are pleased to be coming to market with this because it really does present a great growth opportunity. The lines well with the other work that we've done with our customers uh, moving freight for 100 years. Um, we are an innovator and we listen to our customers and understand the challenges that they have. Um, and in particular, you know, the supply chain complexities, labor, safety, uh, reducing damages. Those are the challenges that our customers are bringing to us. And Vox Smart Autonomy really addresses those challenges. All right. Speaking to your customers, what are they telling you about their needs? Uh, what are they asking you to do for them? And just give us a picture of the current state of the freight market. I was looking at your numbers from earnings, and this really struck me. So your revenue per shipment, that was up 7 percent, but your daily tonnage, basically the volume, that was down 7 percent. Yes, um, we are um, impacted by what's going on in the macro. I think we've talked about this before. Um, we have a tie-in to the industrial manufacturing sector, uh, one of the reasons why Vox is so important. Um, and we are uh, seeing some, you know, demand uh, that is impacted by those uh, declining levels. But, you know, we have great opportunities at our company to grow. Uh, we built great relationships. Um, our market is nearly $500 billion and growing and again, Vox Smart Autonomy really helps us to better address those challenges that customers are, are talking with us about. And as I mentioned, you know, what they're wanting is uh, to be able to put in place, you know, autonomous forklifts right. inside the warehouses, distribution centers um, and manufacturing facilities um, in order to make uh, that uh, material movement more efficient. Right. I think every company seems to be looking for efficiencies right now. Um, we've had some guests on, including uh, an analyst from Bank of America, saying we're kind of coming out of the freight recession. Currently, right now, we're basically in the middle of the Lunar New Year. So there's not that much freight moving, at least not from China. But in your mind, are we still in the middle of the freight recession? Are we, are we pulling out of it? How does the rest of this year look once the freight market just kind of normalizes following Lunar New Year? Well, it's certainly the case that we're coming off a record 2022. And so, you know, I feel like where we've been is uh, normalizing, so to speak. But, 
you know, what I was encouraged by uh, was the latest manufacturing PMI index, uh, I think in January, was up a little, still not in growth territory, but the new orders level was encouraging and was in growth territory. And so hopefully those are signs of better things to come. But again, the way that we're approaching the market with the solution set that we have, it's really very responsive regardless of the environment. You know, we um, are looking at uh, supply chain um, optimizations with customers more often. And you're right, uh, customers are looking for answers that give them greater efficiencies and help them improve margins and get their products to market quicker. And again, Vox Smart Autonomy is one of those intelligent, efficient solutions that can be easily put in place in their warehouse or distribution center I want to ask you, we're using a lot of buzzwords like optimization and efficiency. What does Uh this mean for your workers? You mentioned that the system is going to create more efficiencies, but long-term for your employees and also employees at warehouses and other transportation-related businesses, what does all this mean long-term? Well, what it it means is that those workers are going to be better enabled. You know, we really have great people at our company, and I think our customers want to make you know the the workforce that works for them uh more uh, efficient working on those tougher challenges but does that mean you need less workers they, at the same time did did you say that again i said but does that mean you need less workers well i you know i think what uh we're focused on is that customers and ourselves you know are having trouble finding labor mm-hmm. so we want to put together responsible uses of ai and innovation that really make people more effective and businesses more efficient at the same time all right judy McReynolds, ceo of arcbest great to see you thank you very much for your time thank you all right coming up here on worldwide exchange coinbase shares popping on a new call of better days ahead for the crypto platform Plus, one of this country's largest cities taking fresh legal action against social media companies. We're back with that story in just a moment. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your morning call sheet. We start with J.P. Morgan raising its rating on Coinbase ahead of its earnings to neutral. It says the recent rebound in crypto prices should not only sustain but improve Coinbase's activity levels and earnings power. Shares of Coinbase up 5.5% in the pre-market. Morgan Stanley downgrading Cleveland Cliffs rating to equal weight. Morgan Stanley citing the company having high exposure to the auto sector, which it expects to lag this year. Shares of Cleveland Cliffs down almost 1.5%. And a price target increase on NVIDIA ahead of its earnings next week. Piper Sandler bumping its target from 620 to 850, saying in part it continues to see positive momentum building around NVIDIA's existing tailwinds. Shares of NVIDIA essentially flat right now in the pre-market. But you can see over the last year up almost 225 percent. All right. Time now for your global briefing. Japan losing its spot to Germany as the world's third biggest economy after unexpectedly slipping into recession, the country's GDP falling by just under a half a percent last quarter. That slowdown doing little to dampen investor sentiment, though, with the Nikkei nearing its highest level since 1990. The U.K. also falling into a technical recession after GDP dropped for a second straight quarter. Activity in the services, production and construction sectors, which are the main drivers of that economy, contracting in Q4. We're also watching shares of Renault this morning taking off after the French carmaker said it will propose raising its dividend to just under $2 per share. Renault also reporting it swung to a net profit of more than $2.3 billion. You can see shares are up just over 6.5%. 
And Taiwan Semi hitting an all-time high after Morgan Stanley hiked its price target for NVIDIA due to a surge in AI demand. TSMC, which makes chips for companies like NVIDIA and Apple, is currently the largest producer of advanced processors. Those shares right now, you can see they're up almost 8%. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, we have the one word that every investor needs to know today, plus the metric. Our next guest says is key for your investment strategy this year and the stocks that she says hits the mark. And during February, CNBC is celebrating black heritage. As we had to break, here is Sharon Epperson with a closer look at pay and public companies. 31% of Russell 1000 companies conduct race or ethnicity-based pay analysis, according to Just Capital. This type of analysis is done to manage equal pay for equal work. Celebrating Black Heritage, I'm Sharon Epperson. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. It's time now for your WEX wrap-up. We start with New York City suing TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube, alleging those apps are harmful to the mental health of children. The lawsuit goes on to claim the companies violated several city laws through the design and the marketing of their addictive products. A SpaceX rocket taken off this morning in a bid to land on the moon next Thursday. If it's completed, this mission, it would end a 50-year stretch of unsuccessful moon landings for the U.S., NVIDIA surpassing Alphabet and market cap to become the third largest U.S. company. The chipmaker exceeded Amazon's value earlier this week, and now it only sits behind Apple and Microsoft. NerdWallet, those shares deep in the red ahead of the open, the personal finance company posting a surprise revenue loss. But it's remaining cautiously optimistic, optimistic issuing upbeat Q1 guidance. OpenAI reportedly working on a search engine powered by Microsoft's Bing. According to the information, That tool will come into direct competition with Alphabet's Google. And Microsoft also announcing this morning it's investing nearly $3.5 billion in Germany over the next two years with a focus on artificial intelligence. All right, here's what to watch today. Several pieces of economic data ahead of the open, including initial jobless claims and retail sales. We also get earnings from Shake Shack, Deere, Coinbase, and a number of other companies. And we get fresh Fed speak from Governor Christopher Waller and Atlanta Bank President Raphael Bostic. All right. Today's economic data, top of investors' minds after Wall Street's modest rebound yesterday, just one day after that CPI sell-off. We're taking a look at futures solidly in the green. Looks like the Dow is off of its highs, but again, green across the board. For much more on the trading day ahead, let's bring in Jenny Harrington, CEO of Gilman Hill Asset Management. She is also a CNBC contributor. Jenny, good morning. Great to see you. Good morning, Frank. All right. Give us a sense. What did you make of what we saw yesterday? Uh, It was a slight rebound following that CPI-fueled sell-off. How do you view the markets today following those two very different days? So, okay, so how I view the markets is my word of the day. So sorry if I'm jumping ahead, but I see the markets as skittish. And I think if we look at what happened on that CPI sell-off, that was really severe. And the way the market closed that day wasn't even the most of the story. I mean, at one point, the small cap, the Russell 2000, dipped down 4%. Um, And so I think people, including myself to some degree, are sitting out there and waiting for something to drop. I look at the market right now like it's really priced to perfection and it can't afford even an iota of disappointment. All right, not even an iota, wow, okay. So I think that kind of explains why, (laughs) not even an iota, you don't hear that often. Your equity income portfolio, you're sitting at 10% cash. We actually just did a story yesterday. JP Morgan did a fund manager survey. People are closer to 4%. You're at 10%. What are you exactly waiting for? I'm waiting for better valuation. So I've got this really great short list of stocks to buy. And frankly, I could buy them today. The valuations, you know, the valuations in this 
equity income strategy that I manage are very different than the S&P 500. But even though they're a fraction of the S&P 500, I know that if the market pulls back, I'm getting into those cheaper. And with cash at 5.5%, I can just sit on the sidelines and wait and be patient. So going into today, I was really kind of hoping for that CPI sell-off to, to extend and that I'd finally get in. And instead, what I'm doing today is I'm just sitting there and twiddling my thumbs a little bit longer, you know, <laughs> gripping the rails of my chair and trying to stay patient. You Listen, I know you. I know you're not twiddling your thumbs, but you are looking for deals out there. <laughs> One of the metrics you're looking at is free cash flow yield. Why is that so important currently? Okay, I think as we get into an environment where growth is harder and harder to come by, and that's going to happen if interest rates stay at the levels that they're at, higher for longer, even higher than they were, growth is going to be harder and harder to find. And in that kind of environment, cash becomes king. And whether it's free cash flow yield that then turns into buybacks or turns into dividends or companies really bumping up their dividends, that certainty becomes really valuable. I thought it was fascinating seeing Meta um, and Uber actually start to, in Meta's case, issue a dividend and buyback shares. In Uber's case, issue a huge share buyback. And you saw those stocks, particularly compared to okay. their other large cap um, tech peers, you saw those stocks really rally because they're saying like, hey, we are minting cash. We're not just selling you an out there in the future story. We've got cash and we're returning it to the shareholders. Got it. So All free right. cash flow is really valuable. Free cash flow, very valuable, according to Jenny Harrington. Before we let you go, your pick, it's Aptive, ticker APTV. I got to say, you're sticking to your theme, valuation uh, for PE, I should say, mm -hmm. under 10. Give us the, the elevator pitch for this stock. Okay, so this has been... It, what they do is they make sensors, software wiring for the electrification of cars. So things like lane detection and um, automatic braking. But because it's electrification of cars, they've been pulled back down 35% over the last year because they're seen as EV. But it's not EV. And meanwhile, they've got 25% earnings growth ahead in the next couple of years, trading to your point at a super cheap valuation. Right under the radar. It's not the MAG-10. It's not the MAG-7, whatever you want to call it. I love that it's off the radar, but still Jenny huge Harrington's growth in cash flow. Jenny, we got to leave it there. Value. Ticker APTV. Jenny, great to see you. That's going to do it for us. One quick look at futures, as we mentioned, in the green across the board. However, the Dow off of its highs. Have a great day. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 